The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. I'm David Hine, writer of Second Sight from Aftershock Comics, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with John Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 244. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 17th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not closely monitoring my co-host meds as more DC Rebirth info hits the internet, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. Joe Patrick, officially on Suicide Watch. <laughs> And my name is Joe Patrick at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not continually cleaning the spit takes off of my computer monitor as the DC Rebirth news hits the net, I'm searching for meaning as the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Power Man and Iron Fist number one and Avengers Standoff Welcome to Pleasant Hill number one. What a clunky title. <laughs> After that, Joe and I will review 10 more of this week's new comics. Faster than we can road trip to Vegas during the ludicrous speed round. And then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where we're talking about next week's comics and nursing one hell of a President's Day hangover. And finally, I always get drunk on President's Day. The Orca is back to help you get the most money for your hot comics or at least the ones some poor schmuck is willing to pay way too much for during his Take the Money and Run segment. But before we jock this rhyme into overtime, let's all hold up our locked iPhones with the message free Kesha at the rally this weekend. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Okay, are you ready? After weeks of speculation, DC Comics has released the first details on Rebirth, an initiative they teased last month. And of course, we've talked about a number of times. As they claimed early this week, the publisher is sticking with the story that it's not a reboot. Instead, it's a movement to restore some of what fans have been missing from DC's publishing line in recent years. And to be fair, I'm not sure they even knew what it was last <clears throat> month, you know. <laughs> At this week's Comics Pro retailer event in Portland, DC Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns introduced Rebirth in a video message that debuted Thursday afternoon during DC's presentation. In the video, Johns talked about his past DC miniseries, Green Lantern Rebirth and the Flash Rebirth, which restored familiar elements to the Green Lantern and Flash mythos while also moving the characters forward. Can we put forward in quotes too? Sure. Okay. Nah, yeah. <laughs> moving the characters forward. <laughs> Rebirth aims to do the same with the entire DC universe while also restoring more of a focus on a shared universe. The event kicks off in DC Universe Rebirth. An 80-page one-shot scheduled for release on May 25th, written by Johns and illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver, Ivan Rice, Gary Frank, and Phil Jimenez. You watched this stupid video. We all watched the video. This came rolling out Thursday. Yeah, Thursday was the event. At Comics Pro. Comics Pro, yes. That's okay. what I just said. Real quick, before we get into it, what is Comics Pro? It's a retailer organization. They basically get together every year. And they go, hey, retailers, this is what you have to be excited it's for. It's the closest thing comic shops have to a union. Okay. So John's talked about recapturing the feeling of legacy. 
Uh, which Something you and I have both whined is my number one about. thing. My number one thing. And he admits that he f- has felt that it has been missing in the DC universe. And that's what they hope to kind of bring back with this event. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not an event. It's a movement. <laughs> I had a movement, but before I came over here today, <clears throat> I rebirthed something <laughs> gross. Sorry. He says it's going to answer a lot of questions while raising a whole bunch of new ones. Blah, blah, blah. Corporate marketing jargon. He did say that it's not going to be a literal rebirth like in the case of Crisis on Infinite Earths or Flashpoint, but something that's more character driven like Green Lantern Rebirth where elements of the past come back alongside modern day stuff and hidden secrets are revealed to kind of draw a line between the two. Okay, so let me ask you this. And we're just speculating here. We don't know. And we saw... We don't know anything. Yeah, we really don't know anything. We saw pictures of Wally West, Kyle Rayner, Ted Kord, all characters that old guys like you and I have complained were completely wiped away. How do you relaunch, reboot, m- remove? <laughs> I don't know what word to use. How do they reset? Reduce, the- reuse, recycle. Right. The whole universe in a character-driven story. I don't know. Who does it sat- Who does this center around? I honestly have no idea. Right? I... And that kind of brings me to what I was going to talk about at the end of this story. But um, Johns says a whole lot of stuff that sounds really great. Yeah. It's sort of like a Donald Trump rally. Without actually explaining anything. (laughs) Like, we're going to repeal Obamacare and get something so much better. Right. And uh, it's going to be so many victories. (laughs) Right. Okay. What are we talking about? (laughs) So, yeah. Like you you said, the video that the the video message had... uh, a lot of Wally in it, Kyle Rayner, Ted Kord. He references the JSA by name as being an important part of the legacy. You can all watch the video for yourself if you haven't seen it and read John's interview on CBR. But we're going to have to wait until May at the earliest to discover how they plan to do this without flushing what was created with the New 52 because it sounds like like they're going to try to merge these things together. Which sounds wishy-washy to me. It's troublesome because that was sort of the problem starting off with the new 52 instead of just starting from scratch. Right. They tried to have their cake and eat it too by saying, well, some stuff still counts. It also sounds strangely like what Marvel kind of just did merging universes. But you know what? I think the difference between what Marvel did, what they do and what DC does is that while Marvel does have big marketing pushes right. surrounding these relaunches. And we just got all new number ones for they everybody. They don't make a big deal about no. hitting the reset button. They, no. They just gently massage things or stop referencing things or bring back certain right. things. Like after Secret Wars. Without making a huge fuss about it. And I'm not defending or anything, but after Secret Wars, it made logical sense to start everything over with number one and be like, here's your new status quo. Here, it's like, new universe, sort of, kind of, number one. <laughs> right. And uh, so I need I need more information. I need so much more information right. before I can formulate an opinion on this. My gut reaction is Jeff Johns and DC think that they admit that something's been missing from the DC universe over the last five years. Thank God. Right. Uh, because they're absolutely right. And if they're going to make an effort to correct that, that's fine. I would hope Jeff Johns has been saying this for five years and it's been falling on deaf ears. You know what I mean? Sure. I hope this isn't just like, okay, our sales are in the toilet. (laughs) We give up. Yeah. We screwed up. Yeah. Well, so right now we know very little. Yeah. Here's what we do know. Let's go over what we know. All right. The mainline DC universe titles are going to be renumbered with number ones, except for action and detective. 
those are going to go back to their original numbering, 957 and 934. I so love that. We're going to see Action Comics 1000. I, I'm thrilled by that. I, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. And if it's coming out bi-monthly, we're going to see it in the next two years. Yes, Which absolutely. is crazy. Which goes to the next point. They're going to be bi-monthly. Two comics a month. Mo lots of them. Not all of the DC yeah. comics. All the comics are going to have a $2.99 price point. Anything that takes place in the regular DCU, $2.99. Draw on the line. We're back to that. We're back to that. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, I don't mind that at all. They announced a bunch of exclusive deals. Well, not a bunch, but they announced three, three creators. exclusive deals with Tom King, who we both love. He's doing a Mega Men. Unfortunately, he'll be leaving the vision at with issue 12. But he did say that that was the length of time he'd signed on for anyway. Right. So that is the completion of his story. So he's going to tell his story. Clay Mann, who's been working on Poison Ivy. We he did both, a bunch of X-Men stuff. Yep, and we both liked him a lot. And artist John Timms. He's the Harley's Little Black Book artist. Who is good. He's good. I don't really I know I just don't read stuff. Harley's Black Book. Yeah. Writer Mark Russell confirmed on Twitter that Prez will be returning. I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, with more issues in October uh, as part of Rebirth. That book was originally going to be 12 issues, but it was cut in half. And they said, we're going to do two extra minis. And of course, <laughs> Sales are in the toilet, so who knows if we were ever going to get it. Right. But yeah, Prez will be back. We don't know if Caldwell's coming back. For we it, don't though. know if Ben Caldwell's coming back. He's about to take over as the artist on A-Force from yeah, Marvel, which so that seems like a bigger we'll see. title for him. We've seen a whole list of Rebirth specials that are going to come out. Yeah. They're going to announce the creative lineups next month at WonderCon in Los Angeles. That could, yeah, possibly. Uh, which happens uh, the weekend Batman versus Superman comes out. It's right. a big fan event. So, what a coincidence. Right. So, I mean, I and Comics Pro was a retailer event. Their main goal was... Get the retails pumped to order them. This stuff. is what we're doing. We promise we're super into it, and you guys are going to be super into it, too. Things are still being worked out. Then they're going to get the fans interested. It kind of sucks, and it, it seems kind of cynical just because the fans had access to this information, too. Yeah. And so to release all this and not talk about anything on the creative side. Yeah. It seems maybe silly and early, not to mention the fact that there's a lot of really good books that are coming out from Marvel right now. It's part of the, like after the secret wars relaunch, but they're getting buried because of the amount of stuff that's coming out is putting yeah. out two issues a month of titles like Aquaman, Green Lantern, the flash wonder woman, Superman. Is that going to bury other titles because now i mean i get it we're drawing the line at 299 great but if it's coming out twice a month then you're still paying a dollar extra you're effectively buying six bucks worth of comic books right is that going to bury some of these other smaller titles like you really want me to believe that a blue beetle title or a red hood title or even a death stroke title is gonna be able to survive when you're already buying two issues a month of these other books I'm fine with $2.99. That's great. Why can't it just be monthly? I don't know. Well, I know what it is. They're trying to control their market share. And they think putting out twice as many comics is going to dominate the market share. They watched Marvel do it with their Secret Wars relaunch just by throwing a bunch of comics out. Sure. But now those are getting canceled. I mean, one. but here's the, here's the thing again, and it's a difference in approach. Marvel puts out books at an extremely fast clip. Yeah. The only difference is they don't, make any sort of announcement about it being monthly or bi-monthly they just do it yeah that's true and so nobody like grumps about it it's well people like, do grump about it but but you might not notice if you're not really paying attention right it, but dc came out and said these books are going to come out on this schedule marvel's just like invincible iron man issue one um this week issue number two the week after and issue number three two weeks after that right well come on <laughs> <laughs> 
so I don't know. I mean, it's certainly more marketing driven than creative driven to have that kind of schedule. Of course. Because having a book come out twice as often is not a good way for creators to be able to it also doesn't keep up and do their best work it doesn't necessarily translate to more sales that's the thing we've seen this before i I mean let me say i'm excited about the way this sounds it seems like it's coming from a good place and it seems like they have listened to what old jerks like you and i have been screaming about for the last five years but i need more information before i get really pumped I need more information because if all of a sudden WonderCon comes up next and they're like, all right, we've got Marv Wolfman and we've got, you right. know, like Dan DiDio writing, oh, you're like, yeah, right, right. I, it's going to be the same old And I have questions that I really need answers to before I can get super invested in this. My number one thing is, are they really giving us what we want? Yeah. It's hard not to be suspect. Or are they just giving a version of it? You know, that's splitting hairs. You know, you want Wally West back? Here he is. Yes, but, right. <laughs> you know, you, you, we say we want the JSA back and then they say, no problem. It's going to be time traveling uh, 20-somethings from the past. Right. Or we say we want Ollie uh, Queen back. To be back. fair, that was a rumor. They didn't actually say that. Yeah. But yeah, right. It's like, okay, you're, and they just- you're not... You're you're hearing me, but you're not listening. Right. They also just told us that a lot of these titles were going to be closer to the TV shows and the movies and stuff. They didn't say that. Well, that was the rumor. That was all. Yeah, it's all speculation right. about. They did c- do what we asked when they came. They came out. Jeff Johns came out and admitted, yes, this has been missing, and we feel it too. Right. And like I said, I'm hoping that Johns has been saying that for a while, and now they're listening. I, we trust Jeff Johns. He's done a lot of great stuff. I haven't really cared about his latest run on JLA and it's not because it's naturally written bad. It's just in a DCU that I don't recognize anymore and I don't really care about. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to get back to caring. It's easy to get excited about announcements like this, but it's also hard to get excited about announcements. Right. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's very easy to get too excited too quickly. And uh, at this point I am standing on the outside going, show me something. No doubt. There was other news at Comics Pro. Believe it or not. (laughs) Joe, I'm going to read you a condensed list of creators, and I want you to tell me what company is proud to host them, okay? Get ready for this. I'm ready. Brian Azzarello. Yep. Garth Ennis. Oh. Your boy, Mark Wade. Hey, he's my boy. Your girl, Amanda Connor. Yeah, I like her. David Hine. We just talked to him. He, we a, just talked to him last he's week. He's a nice, well, nice guy, yeah, yeah. right? Alberto Ponticelli. Love that guy. Yeah. Brian Stelfreeze. Ooh. Paul Jenkins. Eh. Darwin Cook. <laughs> right? He's my fave. Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. Ray Fox. That's F-A-W-K-E-S. He spells it weird. Tim Seeley. Justin Jordan, Dave Johnson, Nick Patara, John Lehman, Sam Keith. Remember him? He's a weirdo. Yeah, legendary weirdo. Jim Starlin, Cully Hamner, John Cassidy. Where are all these guys going to be working? Where do you think? Is it Image? Is it Archie? What do you uh, think? If you had to guess. Is it uh, Broadsword Comics, publishers of Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose? Incorrect. It's Joe Benentez Comics, actually. Oh, Benitez <laughs> World Benita's or whatever it's productions. called. No, it's Aftershock. Aftershock hey! handed out a flyer. Instead of hosting like a big press release, they just walked around and handed out a flyer with all these names on it coming to Aftershock Comics. We have been reading and reviewing several Aftershock Comics lately. We've enjoyed quite a few of them. 
is this crazy? Is this list insane? That's a pretty good list, man. Yeah. I mean, this is quite the upstart comic company. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Aftershock has been putting out great books. They're not all my cup of tea necessarily, but they're high quality and more hits than misses for sure. And this list of talent is massive. I'm excited. Former X-Men editor Mike Martz is the big guy behind this. King Cheese. And he knows all these guys. He's worked with all of them. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like everyone is excited to come work here. I think this is an amazing list of talent. I think this is a huge boost for Aftershock, who's coming out of the gates, killing it. Yeah. This is great news for them. I think I agree. And uh, like DC, they didn't really say anything, <laughs> you know, but. But you almost don't have to when you yeah. can show up with a list of creators with names but like that. But they showed talent. Yes. And not marketing. Whereas DC right? didn't. Right. I'm really looking forward to what they have in store for this year. Yeah. Just with this list of names alone. That's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Brothers subsidiary New Line is in talks for the rights to develop a live action movie based on Osama Tezuka's Astro Boy. That's according to the Hollywood Reporter. We just had like an animated Astro Boy movie, like not. We sure did in, in, in 2009. Years, right in 2009, an animated Astro Boy feature film tanked at the box office, yes. uh, earning only 44.1 million dollars against a 65 million dollar budget. Whoops. THR describes this as a, quote, live action four quadrant adventure movie. What does that mean? I don't know. It's real blue sky thinking. <laughs> uh, the Astro Boy remake has reportedly hired the San Andreas screenwriters, Andre Fabrizio and Jeremy Passmore. That fills me with optimism. Did you see San Andreas? It was terrible. Okay. <laughs> it was terrible. This is what I heard about San Andreas. And I will apologize for any movie The Rock is in, but it was terrible. I heard it was terrible in in a, in a Fast and the Furious kind of way. No. In that it's so much fun. I mean, it was terrible in all the best ways, but it was still right. terrible. Well, right. But like not in a, not in like a Transformers, the movie is terrible. No, 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 no. In like no. a, this is so stupid, I love it yeah, kind of way. No, yeah. Uh, okay, yes. Right? Mm. You're an Astro Boy fan, right? Yeah, I love Astro Boy. Uh, do you even care? Do you want to no. see a live action, big budget Astro Boy movie? No, I don't need to see an Americanized version of Astro Boy. And that's what they're going to do. And it's not going to translate and I don't want it. What are your thoughts on the Speed Racer live action movie from seven years ago? I thought the Speed Racer movie that the Wachowskis did was hypnotic, bizarre, and absolutely wonderful. That movie has got a huge cult following. It was so cool in the like so, how in the fucking hell did this get made category well, why, can't, why can't this be like that well, because speed racer also completely tanked it completely tanked well, but who cares if it's success if you still get to see it are you serious you think hollywood doesn't care they don't learn those lessons no i know but who cares <laughs> what but i'm saying i'm is, saying like for us for our enjoyment i agree but what i'm saying is the same way that we constantly talk about hollywood learning the wrong lesson what they learned there was we took a chance with this totally bonkers, psychedelic Speed Racer movie and got laughed out of theaters. We're not going to do that again. Except so, here they are doing it again. No, what they're going to do is give us a total action-packed, Americanized, Fast and Furious, San Andreas version of you Astro Boy. You mean a four-quadrant adventure movie? <laughs> Pardon me, a four-quadrant version of Astro Boy starring John Cena as Astro Boy or some shit, You know, because we learned the... <laughs> I, I just, I don't trust them. I don't care. And I like, I don't, I also don't need a Kira remade in live action starring American actors. I don't need it. The Astro Boy is amazing because it was 
a manga story that reaches across borders and tells a fantastic story of this cool character. We don't need it whitewashed and Americanized and taken out of Japanese culture. So, no, I don't care. Fair enough. I'm Speed Racer and I drive real fast. He's Speed Racer and he drives real fast. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything you think we missed, hit us up on the big news section of the THN forums where I'm constantly raging against the four-quadrant juggernaut that is the Hollywood machine who is continually strip-mining the cultures and characters of every country in this world and making them a little more American. Just couldn't resist. You had to do it again. I don't need it. third time you made the same comment. Every week. The most patriotic guy I know, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on the THN forums. Joey! I think all characters should be American, Frank, quite frankly. <laughs> what are that, we asking the nerds this week? That is not true. Do not send me any tweets or emails. This week's question comes from Carl Smith, who wrote on Twitter, I've never had one of my questions used for the question of the week. Oh. All you guys need to retweet this and shame them into using it. Oh, is he okay? Has he ever submitted a question for the question of the week before is my question. No. <laughs> Carl, anyway. you big baby. You got what you wanted. Carl sent in a very cool question that I enjoy. Host of the Goad Kicker. Goad Kicker. Check it out. It's good stuff. He writes... As comic fans, we're pretty good at suspension of disbelief, things like LMDs and time travel, but sometimes they take it too far. So I want the listeners to tell us the most unbelievable, hardest to swallow thing that they've seen in comics. Wow, there's a long list. I love this question, and I, I immediately, I have my answer immediately. You have until 5 o'clock Central Time this coming Friday, February 26th. To get us your answer, you can call the Ziggurat Hotline 402-819-4894 and leave a message. And if you're feeling ridiculous, you can send an mp3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Whatever you choose. Keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. He cuts somebody off every week. They don't learn. If you need more time than that, head to the THN forums. We have a question of the week section. Go nuts! Everybody is there every week talking about all sorts of stuff, posting pictures, back and forth banter. It's magical. It's wonderful. It's my favorite place on the internet. It's pretty cool. Tune in next week to hear you and your fellow listeners on the Answer of the Week podcast every Thursday. It's review time in the Ziggurat, where we read and discuss two of this week's comics and rate them on our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale. And every once in a while, we actually get it right. Joe Patrick, what did you pick to review this week? This week, I was excited to review Power Man and Iron Fist number one from Marvel Comics, written by David Walker with art by Sanford Green. That's a great name. I love that. Sanford Green. That's a great name. Yeah. I never really had the opportunity to read much of the classic Power Man and Iron Fist. The spinner racks where I got my comics, they just didn't stock it. You know, they the quick shop the quick shop on 48th and Q, they had your Captain Americas and your Batmans and your whatnots. Completely whitewashed 40th and Q. Come on. <laughs> Power Man and Iron Fist. I only saw it once or twice. I had a couple of issues, but I am a sucker for comic book buddies. Wonder Man and the Beast, Spider-Man and the Human Torch, Wally West and Dick Grayson, and of course, Luke Cage and Danny Rand. This issue picks up with Luke and Danny's on-again, off-again partnership in the off-setting, which is just fine with Luke, who has a family and other concerns to deal with. But they reunite to welcome an old friend back to the world after her release from prison. 
I had to look her up. She is a real character from Power Man and Iron Fist from the 80s. Yeah. The two are then quickly thrown into a confrontation with the superpowered gangster Tombstone, who I adore, as they attempt to retrieve their friend Jenny's stolen property. But of course, not everything is as it seems. I kind of appreciated the fact that Marvel and David Walker resisted the urge to launch this book with some kind of grandiose epic. These are street level characters, and this is a small, intimate story about friends helping friends. It's a buddy comedy with Luke cast as the street man that isn't too eager to embrace his past. And Danny is the lovable goofball that can't wait to get the band back together. The characterizations feel right, even though they do seem slightly different than I remember. This Danny Rand is a bit more Matt Fraction Hawkeye than he is Matt Fraction Iron Fist. I'll give you that. But Walker packs the book full of personality and little touches that really endeared me to these characters. Uh, like Danny's willingness to drop everything to help family and Luke's struggle to stop cursing in front of his toddler daughter, uh, leading him to insert terms like fiddle faddle into the conversation <laughs> with other adults. Walker gives you everything you need to know about the past of these two best friends. So this works as a perfect entry point for new readers, but there are also enough nods to the past to appeal to fans of the classic series too. And Walker is able to juggle both of those interests without bogging the story down with exposition. I loved the art by Sanford Green and colorist Lee Loughridge. Green's line art is very exaggerated and very stylish. And it's also very detailed where it needs to be. Reminds me of a more controlled like Jim Mafood. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Uh, Green does an excellent job capturing the feel of the city and the spaces they in uh, the characters inhabit. And I also loved his layouts, which at first seemed like a normal grid pattern. But the way he overlapped certain panels in very close succession made them seem like quick cut camera shots from like a Guy Ritchie movie yeah, or something. Yeah, I like that. Lee Loughridge's colors are subdued and they have a kind of texture to them, which I thought suited the street level story perfectly. I'm excited about this book. I love these characters. I love their relationship. And I'm really glad to have Power Man and Iron Fist back together. Walker gets these guys. He gets their friendship and Green's art is a lot of fun to look at. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I really like this too. I read Power Man and Iron Fist back in the 80s. I did not remember Jenny at all. Yeah. And I she think, was like their secretary. Yes. And I didn't remember she went to prison. Okay, uh, that did not happen in the 80s book. That happened later on somewhere. Th- uh, there was a Power Man and Iron Fist miniseries that was Iron Fist and the the new Power Man, the okay. one from um he's in New Avengers, the 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 younger kid. Oh, right. Okay. He's on the um I think he's in one of the cartoons too. Anyway, um, in that, they find out that Jenny got convicted of murder and went to prison. Okay, here's the thing. I didn't know who the character was. I didn't know the background. I didn't know why she was in prison. There's a very simple way to take care of this. You put in a little editor's note that says, see, whatever. See, Power Man and Iron Fist volume, whatever. And then I will go, oh, okay, that's where that happened. And I'm willing to just accept it. And I'm not saying I didn't dislike this. I'm saying for a new reader that's going to jump into this, or an old reader who loves his characters like I do, it was jarring at first. And I disagree. I, f- I found it a little hard to get rolling with it. I ended up enjoying it. I really like Sanford Green's art. I don't know that everyone is going to love it. And I'm not saying we should make books more mediocre so that everyone can enjoy. You know, like I like that it looks different and it's flashy and it was fun and they did a great job capturing these guys' friendship. It was just jarring for me at first. By the end of the issue, I was happy. I was having fun with it. I just hope it doesn't turn other readers off because it is kind of jarring. I'm glad to have them back. 
I'm giving it a buy it because I want to read more of this. I think the book looks different than other Marvel books out there. It has a very good street level feel. I'm not going to fight you too much on it because we ended up in the same place at the end of it. But none of those criticisms affected me. Like I, I'm willing to allow for different writers to interpret characters a little differently. Sure, I am. Too. I, I recognize that Danny's a little different. I'm okay with it. I right. like it. I also didn't need them to go into depth and explain the long history between Power Man and Iron Fist and their friend from prison. Like, I didn't need to either. It was right there. I, I didn't need them to then also put in a note that says, for more about this character, go to this 30-year-old comic book. I'm saying do it. Throw that in there for people like me that might want to go, wait a minute, what? And you can check that out, you know? Do it. I love editor's notes. And it sells old comics sometimes. Um, it's good for everybody. Well, whatever. You're a baby and I disagree, but that's fine. You liked it and that's all right. Yeah. I mean, I got there. It was just jarring at first. All right. Let's talk about the Avengers for a while. This week, I reviewed Avengers Standoff, colon, Welcome to Pleasant Hill, number one, from Marvel, written by Nick Spencer with art by Mark Bagley, 40 pages for $4.99. It's a big one. In the age of instant internet news and speculation, it's hard to come across any surprises in the pages of an Avengers comic these days. But... It seems Spencer and Bagley are cooking up a doozy here. The issue begins with Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, or the Man on the Wall, or whatever the hell he's called now, back on Earth and breaking into a top-secret S.H.I.E.L.D. compound to investigate just what the hell was going on there. Six months previous, a hacker known only as the Whisperer leaked files exposing a top-secret S.H.I.E.L.D. program codenamed Kobik that would allow them to make changes to the fabric of reality without public knowledge using fragments of the cosmic cube but as seen in the pages of captain america colon sam wilson number one yes oh that's true editor's note joe patrick see? <laughs> Editor's note shortly after jumping Buc joe <laughs> shortly after bucky gets caught by shield forces the story jumps and we meet jim a normal guy waking up in a picturesque town he doesn't recognize with no memory of who he is or how he got there as Jim investigates a town, he begins to realize that something is wrong and he just might be a prisoner. I've been critical of Bagley's art in the past, but I gotta say, he was really excellent here. It was great. There's a very classic feel to his art that lends itself perfectly to this mystery that Spencer is building. I, I saw some flashes of Alan Davis that I used to love. I saw some flashes of Ron Garney that I used to love. This He's really good here. And like I said earlier, it's not often we open a Marvel or DC comic, for that matter, without knowing where it's going to lead ultimately. But I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I flipped through this before I read it, and I wish I hadn't. Yeah. Because it's got a twist ending. <laughs> I thought I knew what was going to happen until I got to the last page. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no spoilers here. This is billed as the lead-in to Marvel's next big Avengers event. I gotta say, my interest is peaked. Solid art, great story, a mystery that doesn't involve universal and multi-dimensional ramifications. Sounds like a nice break from Hickman's Avengers. I'm giving this a buy it. I really, I was very pleasantly surprised. You never know what you're gonna get from these smaller events. Right. You know what I mean? And so going into this, I thought... Uh, this doesn't seem well the like opposite a, can happen too where they try and make it way bigger than right. it actually is so you know it doesn't count and right. it doesn't mean anything this is the exact opposite of that right and going into this i was unsure i thought oh, this doesn't really sound like it's gonna be a huge deal and i think that the end game here i think that this all ultimately leads to civil war 2 
uh, because the next thing is assault on Pleasant Hill. That's the right. event. I think that the uh, Pleasant Hill uh, event is going to be super fun. I'm curious. And uh, the whole idea of what the town is yeah. was genius. Pretty cool. I loved it. I'm giving it a huge buy it. So that is a double buy it for Power Man and Iron Fist number one and a double buy it for Avengers standoff. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> now it's time for you amnesiac prisoners and super bosom buddies to play critic. So head over to thnforums.boards.net or click the button at 2editnerd.com. You can do that too. And tell us what you thought of these comics. There's a fight brewing, and it's going to be the biggest brawl since the rumble in the jungle. It's bigger than all the WrestleManias combined and promises to be more eventful than a Maury Povich episode of Who's Your Daddy? Joe and I are thrilled to have ringside tickets for the Pope versus Donald Trump in a tables, ladders, and chairs match live at the MGM Grand Las Vegas Hotel and Casino. So join us as we jump into the THN A-Team van for a Vegas road trip to see the pious pugilist versus the mouth of Manhattan. All while we review 10 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Titans Hunt number five from DC. This series is kind of up and down with villain artists every other issue. This one, though, has lovely art by Paolo Sequeira. And Geraldo Borges. I think this series is a mess, personally. Have you been reading it? Yeah. Uh, this story is pretty dense with old Teen Titans lore as writer Dan Abnett attempts to explain how and why the original Titans, who we thought never existed in the New 52, had to wipe all knowledge of their existence from the minds of everyone on Earth, including their own. I'm enjoying it, but every time they flash back to the past with that overly designed Robin costume and Speedy in that f***ing trucker hat... <laughs> I'm reminded that DC isn't really restoring that history that I loved. They're giving us a version of it, and it's still missing something. Yeah, but Jeff Johns is going to fix all that, right? Fingers crossed. I'm curious to see how it plays out, especially with Rebirth on the Horizon. Like I said, I kind of enjoy it, but something feels off, and the series has been inconsistent overall. Titan Hunt number five gets a skim it. Shield number two from Archie Dark Circle. During all the Marvel Secret Wars hubbub of last fall, I missed S.H.I.E.L.D. number one. So I decided to catch up and review the first two issues. I mentioned last fall because S.H.I.E.L.D. number one came out in October of last yeah, year. It was a long time ago. It's hard to understand how Dark Circle expects to build any momentum by releasing an issue every four months, and even harder to follow some of the art in this title. Characters seem to jump from one action scene to the next without any sense of logic or juxtaposition at times. The story seems to focus on an amnesic Buffy the Vampire Slayer type character who is just one of several patriotic heroes throughout history, but doesn't do much to make the reader care. The art is fine, but gets really confusing when the action starts. The shield is a mess, and I've got to give it a leave it. I'm kind of shocked at how bad this was. I remember not hating number one, but to be fair, I don't really remember much about it because it's been five months. Yeah. Batman and Robin Eternal, number 20, from DC. I've really found myself enjoying this weekly series from DC. It's a lot of fun seeing all of the sons and daughters of Batman on a globe-trotting adventure together. Not every issue is great, as the weekly schedule necessitates a rotating cast of creators, but the last few have been really fun. The mysterious mother has hijacked Spiral's satellite, sending a mind-control signal that turns children into murderous assassins. 
leading the Bat Family into a deadly confrontation with the Teen Girl Squad at St. Hadrian's Finishing School for Girls. I love them. A.K.A. Spiral's Secret Headquarters. Right out of the pages of uh, Grayson. Yeah. Uh, Roge Antonia and, again, Geraldo Borges do a fine job with the art. I'm really loving the story. I know it's silly to recommend a weekly series on its 20th issue. Batman and Robin Eternal, I'm giving it a buy it. Doom Raider, 2016, number one from Dark Horse. Eisner Award-winning writer Mariko Tamaki writes the story of Laura Croft's search for a mushroom that just might make the eater immortal. According to Solicit, this picks up right where the rise of the Tomb Raider game left off, but really, who cares? Because that could be anywhere. (laughs) Outside of an interesting new character that's teaching Laura to fight blind, there wasn't too much going on here, and I'll tell you what, you want to make Laura Croft uninteresting? Take her out of the exciting Indiana Jones archaeology adventure and put her in a hotel at an archaeology convention. This was just boring, and the art wasn't too exciting either. I'm giving it a skimmick. Mm. Astro City number 32 from Vertigo. Here's a fun story. Occasional guest host and Legend Comics and Coffee owner Dave DeMarco had been out of comics for a while in the late 90s. Then one day, he passed a magazine rack where he spotted a comic with a sad-looking man with metal skin on the cover. That comic was Astro City number 15 from 1998, and that issue got him back into comics and regular visits to the comic shop where we met, and the rest is history. This issue kicks off the sequel to that original story, and it is wonderful. And all of this is my roundabout way of saying that Astro City is the kind of comic that can change lives. (laughs) And if you aren't reading it, you're a goddamn fool. Buy it! Bitch Planet number seven from Image. The ladies of Bitch Planet are tasked with building a stadium for for a futuristic sport called Megaton. Meanwhile, some inmates are suffering the loss of a friend, while Whitney, our main character, is shouldering the blame. Kelly Sue DeConnick continues her hard-hitting future take on the women in prison genre, and even though at times her male characters can come off as senseless, misogynistic frat boys, it works very well to get the point of this hopeless and bleak story across. Bitch Planet isn't always the most fun comic to read, but you can't say it's not great. I'm giving this a buy it. This is chapter one of a new storyline called President Bitch. <laughs> I mean, it's an ex- it's an exploitation comic. Right. So all of the characters' traits are very exaggerated. And I think some people forget that when reviewing it. I'm not going to name names. Snowfall, number one from Image. I had a hard time getting into this near future sci-fi cautionary tale from Joe Harris and Martin Morazzo. I could not It's set in a future where the environmental collapse has not only allowed corporations to overtly seize control of the government, but has also prevented the world from experiencing snow. Now there's a mad scientist running around wielding snow like a weapon in an effort to bring down the corrupt system. Just like the weather wizard. Honestly, I found it kind of heavy handed in its message and the dialogue seemed a little too melodramatic and flowery. Marazzo's art is great, though. I just, I couldn't get into their last book either, Great Pacific. Yeah, me either. And people loved that book, so maybe I'm the problem. I'm giving Snowfall number one a skim it, because there are parts of it I liked, but I'm just, I'm not really, yeah. I don't think I'll keep up with it. Um, I, I'm giving it a leave it. Dusu, Path of the Ancient, number one from Stranger Comics. This is the first Stranger comic I've encountered, and it's a solid offering to the fantasy comic world. It seems Stranger Comics is going, I hate be, fantasy. is going to be publishing a whole line of fantasy comics. Instead of getting bogged down in typical D&D Lord of the Rings fantasy, Dusu tells the story of a human baby rescued by dark-skinned elves living in the heart of the Ugoma jungle. Beautiful, digitally painted art by James C. Webster helps carry the story, and while this is definitely 
hard fantasy, the likes of which Joe Patrick probably can't hang with. No, sir. I dug Deuce Path of the Agent. I like that they're taking a risk here. They're doing something different with the fantasy genre. I'm giving this a buy it. Citizen Jack, number four, from Image. I am really loving this series from Sam Humphreys and Tommy Patterson. For the last couple of issues, though, I've thought that this book would be great just as a political satire, minus all of, like, the selling the soul to the devil stuff. Right. Like, you just do this crazy Trump figure satire comic. Oh, I really like the devil there. <laughs> but this issue took a really dark turn, and I am super hooked into it in a big way. Excellent art by Tommy Patterson. Citizen Jack gets a buy it. It's really good. Speaking of the devil... Bill and Ted, go to hell. Number one from Boom. Bill and Ted return to the afterlife to help their buddy Death, who's found himself in a most untriumphant situation involving the devil. Sort of. Look, you should know what you're getting into when you pick up a Bill and Ted comic. If you don't know and you're itching for more of the wild stallions in action that pays attention to the movie continuity, then sure, this is a perfectly good read. I found it a little tiresome and slavishly devoted to the source material, but... Not bad. The art by Bacan was great and reminded me of Evan Dorkin's work on the Bill and Ted comics of the 90s. I just wish the writing reminded me of Dorkin too. I'm giving it a skip. There's your ludicrous speed round and is the onomatopoeia of the week and also the roar of a giant bear attacking an elven hunting party as seen in Dusu, Path of the Ancient, number one. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Little- Matt and I have been trying to shake our President's Day hangovers for almost a week now. But it's time to call in the big guns. Buddy, we can't just lay around the THN Sanctum Sanctorum burping and farting all week. Why not? That's why our good native Canadian buddy, Michael Two Youngman, aka Shaman, has agreed to come over and cure our woes. Matt, while I inhale the smoke from this smoldering Sasquatch dung, why don't you tell the kids about your must-read pick for next week? Oh, that stuff really stinks, by the way. <laughs> My pick for next week is Hellboy in the BPRD 1953. Season two, number one. I hate it when they call them season. From Dark Horse, written by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson, with art by Paolo Rivera. 32 pages for $350. I love Paolo Rivera. I do too. Love him. Standard Dark Horse pricing here. $350. Here's your solicit. A mysterious creature hunts the children of an idyllic suburban town, and the BPRD get more than they bargain for when their investigation begins to seem strangely familiar. Zombie co-creator Chris Roberson joins Hellboy creator Mike Mignola and Eisner and Harvey Award-winning artist Paolo Rivera. I'm super excited for Paolo Rivera to join the Mignolaverse. That guy is amazing. Uh, he was one of the rotating artists on Markway's Daredevil. Yes. So good. Really, really talented. Hey, Joe, what's your pick for next week? Joe Patrick! I'm glad you asked, Matt. <laughs> My pick for next week is... Professionalism! <laughs> <laughs> Superman, colon, the coming of the Superman, number one from DC Comics, written and illustrated by Neil Adams. Really? This is what you're going to do? Listen, I was really? in a weird place when I picked this. Man. Don't give me your excuses. Just sell it to me. Let's I'm just saying. It. Sell it to me. Sometimes something just jumps out of me. Convince me, Joe Patrick. Sell it to I me. I will. Okay, so here's the solicit. From legendary writer-artist Neil Adams comes a threat so epic it will take more than one Man of Steel to handle it in this new six-issue miniseries. 
As Darkseid and the hordes of Apocalypse lay waste to the world, even Superman is overwhelmed, but not for long, as three heroes from the miniaturized city of Kandor emerge at full size, armed with all the vast powers of Kal-El, ready to become the new Superman. Wouldn't it be cooler if they emerged gigantic? <laughs> We've been so small for so long, <laughs> and now we're huge! <laughs> this Battle of Titans also features the machinations of Lex Luthor, plus fan favorites Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lean, aiding in the fight for truth, justice, and the American way. Neil Adams has done some projects recently, all of which I have found completely baffling. They're terrible. Uh, terrible. The first X-Men for Marvel... I don't know what the hell that's. Here's the thing. Chris Claremont has his own little universe, like in the little corner sure. of the Marvel universe. And now and Neil Adams has his own little none corner. None of them the are DC in continuity. Universe. It doesn't matter. It's just these creators doing what they want. It's the Neil Adams verse. Right. Uh, Batman Odyssey, Ugh. which I found incomprehensible. Awful. But. And this is no, I'm not bagging on Neil Adams. The guy's legendary, has written comics that I love. Sure. It might be time to stop. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I acknowledge that those projects, I wasn't into them. But I was reading up about this and I saw some comments that Neil Adams made about it. And he said, look, this is the Superman that you miss. Like, <laughs> this is this is the Superman. This is the Superman that you've been missing. All right. And he's totally right. It's Bottle City of Candor. It's Red Trunks. It's it's Silver Agey. The plot seems very straightforward as opposed to Batman the Aussie, which was some sort of LSD crazy hallucination of some sort. Okay, if you're picking this, I'm putting my foot down. I demand you review it next week. That's we're, fine. I will, we're, I will we're talking about this. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. All right. Um, And so, like we have said in the past. And if anyone out there knows Neil Adams, maybe you could just keep him busy for a little bit while we're doing our review. You know, like, don't let him watch Periscope. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's a regular viewer. Uh, as I have said on other Sanctum Sanctorum installments where I make a pick about something I'm curious about, not necessarily excited about, I'm curious about this. I, I want to see what it's all about. And I have been missing that classic take on Superman. Whether it's good or not will be a whole... We will discuss. We're going to find out. The oh. THN trade of the week goes to kill your boyfriend slash... V-Manorama. V-Manorama. <laughs> V-Manorama, deluxe hardcover from Vertigo. Both were written by Grant Morrison with art by Philip Bond. I, I love Philip Bond. Love that guy. He does not get enough work. 176 pages for $19.99. What a deal. You kidding me? That's like free per page, I think, almost. Two tales by Grant Morrison are collected in hardcover for the first time. First, a bored schoolgirl joins up with a young rebel intent on tearing down middle-class England. Then, in... V-Manorama, Ali and his witty, vivacious, arranged bride, Sophia, must stop ancient Indian demons from using Britain as a battleground. Now, both these books are still in print. Yes, separately. But it's going to cost you 20 bucks to get them both separately anyway. Why not get them in a nice hardcover? It's great stuff. These were so much fun. And Philip Bond is amazing. I will confess that when V-Manorama came out, I wasn't really sold on it and I didn't read it. I liked it. Kill Your lot. Boyfriend is the sort of, I've always wanted to read Kill Your Boyfriend. People talk about that. It's like classic yeah. Grant Morrison from like the early days of Vertigo. Yeah, really good. Uh, so I'm going to pick this book up. Don't get me wrong. Mike is a very talented medicine man, but I'm starting to think all he brought was a bunch of Sasquatch's stool samples. If he thinks I'm going to eat any more of this, he's got another thing coming. I don't know, buddy. I'm feeling pretty hard. The good Foley effects. Yeah. 
Well, we shower up, brush our teeth, and then go shopping for new toothbrushes. Why don't you nerds head over to the THN forums and tell us what you're excited to read next week? We don't just do poop jokes. We do poop eating jokes. Yeah! Take that, iFanboy! And now, through the magic of the internet, we take you to the frozen wastes of Maine to check in with our comic book financial advisor, Da Orca. He's a little rough around the edges and a little over 90 years old, but damn, does this crazy old codger know a thing or two about selling comics. Sign into your eBay accounts, nerds, because it's time to take the money and run. Endorsed by no less than comic book mogul Aaron Myers. Is that right? Yeah, he gets the Aaron Myers thumbs up, huh? He did, yeah. Hello, nerds. Welcome to the sixth edition of Take the Money and Run, a segment where yours truly, the Orca, tells you what's selling for completely bonkers prices on the eBay. So maybe you can get off your duff, dig through your funny books, and turn them into money for charitable donations or braces for your kids, or more than likely, more comics. That's what I do. Either more comics or cheap horse, my other favorite pastime lately. So last month I hinted that the release of the Deadpool movie might be the beginning of the end for comics selling real high based on movie speculation. And it still might be. But thanks to that little tease at the end we got to death rattle of nerds getting their panties in a twist over something that's at least two years away. I don't want to spoil Deadpool in case you ain't seen it yet, so I won't mention him by name. But they come right out and say who they want in the sequel. In my opinion, it's a really stupid 90s character. But so was Deadpool at one point, and look how well they did with that. I really dug the flick. Who knew that a comic book movie full of sex and fat jokes would appeal to the orca? Anyway, the character they're referring to's first appearance was in New Mutants number 87. That book exploded on the eBay. Nearly $600 for a CGC 9.8. An average of $150 for a near-mint raw copy. But the price spike on the rumor is always the high point of the book. So if you got that comic, take the money and run. Also, Spider-Woman number 37 from the 80s picked up a little steam. It's the first appearance of Siren, who's rumored to be Deadpool's love interest in the sequel. Sell on the rumor, because come on, the first movie was an awesome love story, and the chick that played Vanessa was smoking. Why would they replace her? Plus, she turns into copycat. She even hinted at powers in the movie. So why would they need Siren? Keep Vanessa, sell Spider-Woman number 37. Take the money and run. To tidy up our Deadpool coverage, the idea of an eventual R-rated X-team has recommended Uncanny X-Force from 2010 heating up especially the early issues. That series was great. But if I can get a couple hundred bucks for comics I probably ain't gonna read again, take the money and run. Moving over to another Marvel franchise, just this morning, it was announced that the guy from Tango and Cash, not the one who sounds retarded, the other guy, is gonna be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Who he's gonna be is still a secret, but the smart money is on Starhawk who they'll make Star-Lord's dad. It's an old one, but if you've got a copy of The Defenders number 28, it's time to consider listing it. Maybe it goes higher, but it could also go back to complete obscurity. Take the money and run. 
Finally, I'm a big fan of the HBO drama The Newsroom. I know it's a little outside my typical Pornhub entertainment, but you don't get much of an education in the main public school system, so I got to supplement with the witty contemporary dramas. Anyway, the hot sports chick from that show, her real name escapes me. Editors note that actress's name is Olivia Munn. Munn loving Matt. It's going to be Psylocke in the movies. They even improved upon the ultra-sexy costume from the comics by giving us a nice booby window. Naturally, Psylocke stuff is on the move. Her first appearance was in New Mutants Annual Number 2, Take the Money and Run. Also, her little four-issue miniseries from a few years ago with the David Finch ass covers. It's also on the move. Small print run. If you have it, sell, sell, sell. I need a button like the asshole on the stock market channel. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Joe, can you give me a button? Joe? Matthew? Anyway, she's also one of Jay Scott Campbell's favorites. Anything he did of her is fetching a pretty penny. If you've got any, take the money and run. Till next time, kiss, kiss, nerds. Thanks for listening. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like this. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of THN. If you dig podcasts that completely ignore the Grammys because they're nothing else than a corporate music circle jerk, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, reviews, thumbs up, or hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. I'm sorry. I'm sure T-Swift is a nice girl, but she's really shocked that she won the Grammy this year. Really? Look, Come on. Look, man. She doesn't take anything oh, for granted. Christ. Thank you to all of our donors. You're the only thing that uh, keeps us from being nominated for Grammys. It's true. And we thank you for it. Yeah. If you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And to become a sustaining member, simply check the Make This Donation Monthly box when you donate. Remember, as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. If you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com. There you can find links to all of our contact info. We're on Periscope. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week. Skype. We don't even use it anymore. Skype Skype is dead to me. Screw you, Skype. But you know what you can do? You can call us on the Ziggurat hotline at 402-819-4894. Leave us a message. Just call to say hello or call and play along with any of our segments. We love having you guys as a part of the show. Frankly, it means less work for us. It's true. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Baum's Spotify profile. That's B-A-U-M. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to occasional Deadpool artist Riley Brown and his family who lost nearly everything they had in a fire that hit their home in Hoboken less than a week after they welcome their newborn son into the world. This sounds like a gypsy curse. And you know what's the worst part about it? The fire wasn't even in their building. Oh it was in God. the next it was in the next apartment over and because they were right next to it, nothing but fire and smoke. Oh, that sucks. Right. Smoke and water rather. Riley has reached out for help from the comic community, and you can show your support by buying his original art or commissioning sketches. We'll put links to those in our show notes. Go there. Help them out, you guys. Word to you, Brown family. We're glad everybody is okay. We hope you're back on your feet soon, and congratulations on the new little guy, huh? Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just bring some stool samples over to your house. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. 
signing off. It's medicinal. Would be a better place.